Welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We are thrilled to have you all here again. And alongside me today is Gabe Julian, a good friend of mine, and I know a confidant with a lot of sports, so good to have him on today. Unfortunately, Noah can't make it. He's getting work in, but I just want to make sure we get something in talking about all of the NFL action after week six as we now lead into week seven. Of course, today is Sunday. Listening to this live, uh, if you rewatch it, uh, today is Sunday, October 24th. Going to be getting into some NFL action pretty soon. It's 11.28 a.m. here Eastern time, and we are going to get ready for all the action. But before we do that, we're going to go in and look through what we got from this last week. And to start things off, let's go with our game of the week, which this one, which I know I'm killing me that Noah couldn't be here for, the resident Titans fan, but it's Buffalo versus Tennessee. And now, Gabe, what were your biggest thoughts on a game with this kind of magnitude? I thought that I thought Buffalo, honestly, going into it, I thought Buffalo had it in the bag, honestly. I think they had so much momentum going into this game. And Tennessee, I wouldn't say they didn't, but they were stepping back from the position that they had this year. I think that they didn't expect this kind of load, and they really got exactly what they wanted out of Derrick Henry with the Titans and probably one of the consistently showing up with some of the strongest performances for a running back that we've seen in a while. Well, and you want to talk about strong performances. I mean, it it really was an unbelievable day for Derrick Henry. Now, he's a guy that's been basically blowing up every single defense we've seen this season. I think he has more rushing yards than, I think it's, what, 30 out of 32 teams? Uh, Well, 31, I guess, not counting the Titans. But it's simply ridiculous how good he's been this year. 20 carries, 143 yards, and three touchdowns for the King in this game and this is from a game where Tannehill didn't really do a lot 216 yards in a pick but doesn't really need to do a lot as we've seen but the biggest story of this day was more about what happened with Josh Allen who was driving down um first and 10 on the or for first and goal um right on the three yard line gets all the way down to half a yard and slips Allen slips going in it wasn't first goal sorry first and 10 up to like I think of the two yard line three yard line and dives in, and his right leg slips when he pulls it back and ends up being short. Uh, and now that's another coaching decision there because you're down by three points. You have Josh Allen. It's fourth down. You're right there at the goal line. Would you still have gone for it again, or would you have taken the three points and tested it with overtime? I'm still going to say I'm going for it every single time, with especially with that Bills offense. I think that they're one of the strongest, become one of the strongest offenses. Allen is still a solid rushing quarterback. I think maybe if he slips, I think it goes, the game goes completely different. He, I'm going to, I thought for sure going into that situation with that offense in the Titans lackluster defense, to be honest, I thought for sure that the Bills were going to go up and take that on uh win no they should have had it i mean this was a this was a game where the bills had all the cards going into it again it was at tennessee which i think is a little bit of an edge uh to the titans here at least in coming out and performing very strongly but it um it's just just the kind of game you got to get through and got to win big but big shout out to buffalo for getting it done looking pretty solidly going into their bye week this week so we won't be talking too much about buffalo on next week's podcast but um they need a little bit of a reset after that game Next up, we're going to go through our big thoughts on the big teams. We do this every week, going through all the games. And then before we get to our players and teams of the week, but we're going to start things out on at least the main slate of games with Thursday night football. I know this has aged uh, pretty pretty far back because it's now been a while since this game happened, but it was Tampa Bay up against Philadelphia, a game that uh, at least no one I did predict 
that Tampa Bay would win this game, which I don't think is a frankly very shocking take. And of course, it ended up happening. Um, AB and Fournette, actually the real uh, shining stars of this game. They both are fantastic. Fournette getting two touchdowns and 80 yards. And Antonio Brown with nine receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Great performance for him. And also, Zach Ertz played his final game as a Philadelphia Eagle. We didn't, of course, know this until after the game, but um, now it's on to the Arizona Cardinals. But big win there. Birds sink down to two and four. And the thing is, though, it was only a six-point game. And the Eagles made it a little bit close at the end. Two touchdowns back-to-back. Two-point conversion as well. How good are the Bucs is the real question. They're five and one. The Rams' loss wasn't very pretty. But outside that, they've looked pretty decent. I know this is on the road. I know it's more difficult, much more difficult to win in Philly than not. How legit are the Bucks still? The Bucks are, well, surprisingly, first of all, they're currently better than the record was last year. But they're still they're coming close in certain games. Like they that Falcons game at time was close. The Pats game was much better yeah. than yeah. anybody thought it would be. They obviously handled the Dolphins and eventually the Falcons, but the Cowboys, certain things go different. They don't come out of that with a win. The Rams game, I still think that that was pretty heavy of a domination, even though the Rams team, you know, it they probably showed up in the best way they could that game and maybe the Buccaneers didn't, but I still think there are some weaknesses, especially in that Tampa Bay secondary with all the injuries out. They have been hit pretty hard, and you can see that teams are torching that essentially. Still have a strong rush defense, but overall, I think that I think that they're weaker than this year, and I think that they could show some weakness in maybe not later matchups, but they have some matchups against the Saints and the uh, Panthers possibly, and then later, obviously, the Bills, that I think could they could fall into maybe – I think they'll probably honestly be around the same record that they were last year, maybe a one, one game improvement. Well, at least in home and road games, it's going to get a little more difficult for Tampa Bay given in their next sort of little bit of a long stretch of games, their next six games, only two of which are at home. Now those games will be one of them this week against the Bears, and then that's four road games in five weeks with at the Saints, at Washington, against the Giants at home, and then at the Colts and at Atlanta, which I know is not necessarily the hardest slate of teams, but we saw what happened with the Saints last year. I get those with Drew Brees too, but that game is always a little bit tricky. Washington on the road is not necessarily an easy win. We saw how much Taylor Heineke made the Buccaneers work for it, at least in the playoffs. Um, Giants may be uh, not not the most difficult of games. Um, And then at the Colts is kind of weird at this point because the Colts have not been looking good, but they're getting a little bit better as the time goes on. And then um, Atlanta, at least if it looks like anything in the last game was, could be uh, pretty ugly. But again, a lot of Tampa Bay pulled away in the fourth quarter. It was a really close game until then. So you never know. Maybe it'll be a little bit of chaos in Atlanta, but Either way, that's still very difficult to have four games on the road in a five-game stretch. So we'll take a look at Tampa Bay as the weeks go on. But for a team that played very much on the road, uh, we had Miami travel all the way to London to play a team that has kind of found the U.K. to be a new home for them with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jags have been notoriously fantastic in London, and I I don't know why I bet against them. It's every time in London the Jaguars find a way, even this awful, awful Jaguars team, and they did it 20 losses in a row finally, finally ends, and Jacksonville beats Miami, and they're both 1-5. and five. But the thing I want to talk about more here is what happened to Miami. This is a team I actually had a lot of faith in this year, and I was like, what in the world has happened to them? Miami's got an interesting situation. I think, first of all, losing 
Tua has heard of him for a few games. But then he came back, and I, I honestly, I thought I, I made my pick of that. I picked Jacksonville first time, but I was cautious if Tua came back, and it probably would have went the other way if he was to return, which he did. But What's still, they can, he's not like he's – I don't exactly know what happened to them. Like their defense was absolutely the bright spot of that Miami team last year, and obviously you had Ryan Fitzpatrick who just – Kind of strangely consistent in a way for that. That helped them get a lot of wins, but that defense just really has not shown up. Some of the worst defense metrics in all of the NFL this year, just giving up an incredible amount of points. I think they're bottom five in both categories for offense and defense, one of the only teams to be there. And I think the offense is kind of that's been expected. Of they're still struggling with water receivers, they're still like uh, still lack a lot offensively but they really their defensive struggles are just really showing out this year and they have had some matchups that they could have won that they just haven't next up we got green bay against chicago now this is a game that is have been uh kind of typical if that's a way to word it as in you kind of know who's gonna pull this game out when it's aaron Rodgers against the bears and the streak is ridiculous Uh, aaron Rodgers is 22 and 5 against Chicago in his career, 11-3 and three at Soldier Field, including in the playoffs. 12 touchdowns, zero picks in the last five starts, which were all 5-0. and oh. So, yeah, I think it's fair that when um, Aaron Rodgers screamed into the crowd, I still own you, he, he wasn't exactly wrong. This game was a pretty clean one. Not a ton to say about it. Uh, 24-14, Green Bay wins again and moves to 5-1. and one. But, yeah, they just pretty much own the Bears. Pretty simple. They play against Washington at home. And I know we talked a lot about, at least earlier in the podcast, about how bad that that first game was for the Packers at the Saints. But since then, it's been pretty good for them. And if the Packers win today, fifth streak of six straight wins in a single season since Aaron Rodgers took over at the start. He had a 13-game winning streak in 2011 and then six-game streaks in 2015, 16, and 20. So things looking better for the Packers. Certainly impressive stat line. I think that going into that, I think you knew he was going to handle them well. It did, it did get a bit scary at the beginning for the Packers and Darren Rodgers when uh, against the Saints. really just did not look good. But I wouldn't say that's something that wasn't expected, just with all the offseason controversy kind of came into it, feeling maybe not, a, not completely into it. But like most people expected, he turned it around, just got – more consistent than the Aaron Rodgers that we know and really has just shown up. Uh, also for this too, I uh, wanted to say that Darnell Savage, the safety for Green Bay, is uh, active this week. He dropped out with a concussion. But uh, Kevin King and Preston Smith are both going to be out. And safety Vernon Scott, uh, tackle Dennis Kelly, defensive lineman Jack Heflin are out. And uh, actually for Smith in this game, um, this is the Preston Smith. This is the first time that he's missed a game in his entire NFL career. He had a 102-game streak before today ended, so unfortunate for him to be out. But um, And uh, any other injury update, just on a, on a side note before we move on to the next game, uh, did want to put on an injury uh, update here because I wanted to see what else was going on. Um, where was it at in here? Uh, at least for fantasy point. Um, it is confirmed that Saquon's been out today, and it also confirmed that Galladay will be out, and I think Tony is gone as well, um, and Andrew Thomas. So uh, offense is pretty crippled today for the Giants uh, once again. And other big news is that – trying to find else. Um, 
Chris Jones should be back for the Chiefs today um, against the Tennessee Titans. It was pretty big news for that Kansas City D-line. Uh, last played week four against the Eagles, so it's been a minute since we've seen him. Um, and Paris Campbell will be out as well as T.Y. Hilton, both those wide receivers being out. Um, so Michael Pittman Jr. and Zach Pascal should see a lot more receptions for the Colts today. Moving on next to the Cincinnati Bengals and Detroit Lions. This game uh, usually is pretty god-awful when you compare these two teams uh, with each other, but now it looks like it may be a little bit better with the Bengals starting to show up a little more. And this game went pretty much as expected. Joe Burrow is back to being Joe Burrow. This game was not even close. 34 to 11 giants um, or sorry, lions fall to Owen six. Oh boy. Uh, again, the game was not particularly surprising. We knew the Lions weren't going to do anything. They actually only scored with the eight minutes to go. Um, Hawkinson again, put up some decent numbers and Swift scored a touchdown, but 13 carries for 24 yards. Goff had 42 passing attempts and only got 202 yards out of it. It, it just, what do you say? There's nothing to say. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty terrible. It's it's hard going through this lines, especially the schedule beforehand, and now the schedule continuing on into season. It's hard to find some wins for them. And you know, it's happened before in Detroit. Certainly has. And I don't know if this is. I think they'll. I think they'll scrap out at least one. But it's still in that mindset of they are just not a good team on any sense. Really no strong offense or defensive players. But I think they'll I think they'll squeak out one. I hope so. It's, it's harsh. It's pretty harsh. <laughs> Next up, speaking of team that is usually squeaking things out if they do it all, the Houston Texans played up against the Indianapolis Colts, two teams that are really bad to watch if you have eyes. And the Houston Texans, uh, yeah, they still only have one win on the season, and that's going to stay sitting at one with Davis Mills uh, just not doing much now, which I know it's – I mean, we're not having huge expectations for him, but it's still disappointing. Uh, Carson Wentz actually looked pretty competent in this game, and the Colts look pretty good. I get it's against Houston at home, so it's not really a litmus test, but still they look pretty decently. But Jonathan Taylor, my goodness, 14 carries, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. He – ripped this Houston team to shreds, which again was expected, but it was um, a very impressive game for the Colts, which again, if you're playing the Texans, you need to look like this, but they play, they look, they played very well. I'll give the Colts credit for a game. You needed to look good in. Yeah, it was, that was certainly impressive stat line, kind of an underrated uh, storyline of uh, week six, at least with Jonathan Taylor, 10.4 yards per carry and really just, yeah. It's been consistent, consistently a really strong running back, and he's really continuing to show it. I would also say something surprising from that game, T.Y. Hilton just continues to dominate the Texans in every sense. Four receptions. Which is most difficult being out. Yep. Yeah, and he really just hasn't been around a lot in that wide receiver core. I really only seen, like, seen Pittman, Pascal, and uh, Campbell. Uh, it has been most of the wide receiver representation, but it's nice to see T.Y., Get a big game. And next up, we have the Los Angeles Rams against the New York Giants, which was a pretty, pretty tough game, especially for myself, because myself and one of our friends, uh, we went to the game in the Meadowlands, my first ever trip to the Meadowlands. I was talking about this in the preview we had last week, too. And uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was pretty happy to have Daryl Henderson Jr. on my fantasy team, but um, other than that, it was a pretty much a waste of a day for at least the Giants. We did see a score of Gami, though, 38-11. to 11. It never happened before, so yay for that. But <laughs> Rams ended up uh, putting an absolute hammer down, 28 points unanswered in the second quarter. And 
I think it was actually all 38 of their points were bookended by two scores. So, yeah, the Giants were the first to score and the last to score, but ended up not really meaning much. But the game was actually kind of anybody's game uh, throughout all the way until about 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. So the first, like, good 30% of the game was actually pretty tight, and the Giants are playing well. But once the floodgates opened with the first touchdown of the Rams – ended up uh, getting pretty quiet in there. Jones throws three interceptions and looks absolutely terrible. Loses a fumble, as is tradition. And Stafford threw for four touchdowns. And, yeah, Cooper Cup is really good at the whole football thing. So it was pretty much everything we could have wanted to know beforehand. We got pretty much confirmed. Yeah, it was kind of harsh to see. It was something you kind of expected on a level. You had a lot of giants coming to that game injured. You had Daniel Jones barely getting off a concussion protocol and it's unfortunate because Jones was having a pretty strong start to the season really had showed up in the first few games but then he had that concussion against Cowboys and he kind of in the Rams he started out he started out well had a couple strong receptions to Tony uh, who unfortunately is out as well it was starting to show up a little bit but you then just started to see the Daniel Jones of past years where he just starts giving the ball up like crazy and he just looked really bad like consistent bad throws some of those interceptions were not even close and yeah it's sort of what you expected though the Rams really showed up and uh, coming up this week the Rams will go back home and play against Stafford's old team Detroit which is actually a pretty interesting storyline despite the fact those teams are wildly different in talent and record um, but at least the storyline will be interesting. And then the Giants will actually also stay home, and they will face the Carolina Panthers, who I am starting the Panthers' defense this week, so we'll see if they get it done. Uh, next up, we have a game that was a very concerning game for a little bit, but ended up uh, producing pretty decent results. But it was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Washington football team. And now it ended up being a pretty simple second half was kind of a – a blowout, but the first half was pretty interesting. Patrick Mahomes looked very human once again. He has thrown a lot of interceptions, and in fact, the one he threw this week may have been the worst I may have ever seen Patrick Mahomes throw in the NFL. He looked really rattled in the first half. Again, fortunately for the Chiefs, he came out and played great in the second, and then he scored uh, well, his three straight touchdowns um, from to Tyreek Hill, Dale Williams had a run, and then Demarcus Robinson, twenty-four yard score. So. Pretty good second half coming in here. Kansas City outscoring Washington 21 to nothing. But I don't know. I think we've kind of proven that Patrick Mahomes can very much be human. But what what else is going on with this Chiefs team? Because the defense really wasn't that bad in this game. I know they've been bad before, but the defense really wasn't that bad. Only 13 points allowed. Defense has been strong in this game, not as strong in past games. But – you just have to – I think you – well, you're definitely missing some parts of defense that they might go on and acquire before the trade deadline. And I think that you're just seeing some holes with the offense. I mean, he's been to two straight Super Bowls, maybe seeing a little bit of fatigue with that possibly. But he's still just been very inconsistent. Oh, like surprisingly because Mahomes has really not shown this type of – bad play and that's not per se bad just bad for him because he's really just impressed for the last few years and he's just throwing interceptions almost winston style just chucking it out there and really just not looking good uh <laughs> but part of it still lacking a bit in the run game williams did have a good run but he only averaged 
21 carries, 62 yards, only three yards per carry. Not as impressive as you would hope. No, exactly. And if you look at Minnesota versus Carolina, our next game you'll have up, you'll find another couple of teams that haven't really been as impressive this season. We're talking about teams that really should be better than what they have put on. And, I mean, you can look at it right here. You have Minnesota. They ended up winning this game in overtime at Carolina, an impressive win. I actually called Carolina originally to win this game, but switched it before game time went off and was happy I did. But this Minnesota team, you lose to the Bengals in a crazy game to start. You lose to the Cardinals by one. You beat the Seahawks in a clean win. Then your offense just disappears against the Browns. Then you barely beat the Lions in a wild game. And then you barely beat the Panthers in a wild overtime game. I mean, this has just been the craziest team that please nobody bet. Nobody bet on the Vikings. <laughs> it is just, it is, you never know what's going to happen with this team. They're very unpredictable. And so this game was big, but. It's just they've been a weird team, and I get Carolina's been up and down too. We know they obviously that their big undefeated start was going to fall apart pretty quickly. But, yeah, Minnesota's been a funny team, but a lot of scoring in this game, a lot of good work from Dalvin Cook getting back in the lineup, getting 140 yards, touchdown. Adam Thielen was fantastic in this game. But the biggest guy to get the award here is Kirk Cousins. Played fantastically, 373 yards and three scores. Minnesota defense didn't look great down the stretch, but it was able to come right back. Yeah, Minnesota should have won this game a million times over. It's kind of amazing how they ended up. Um, like the fact that Carolina made this game overtime was pretty remarkable, but it just, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to see if either of these teams are really that good at all. It's difficult. I wasn't too high on really either of them coming into this season. I think that honestly, going into this game, I kind of made my own name for it of, uh, battle of the returning running backs basically i thought that whoever is going to be coming out of this game uh with their running back their star running back probably the two best running backs other than derrick henry in the nfl i thought whoever was getting their running back back was probably going to take the win and minnesota got yep. their back and they got the win i think honestly if mccaffrey's in that game probably goes different and that's pretty true as well. And, and again, you can look at how the Panthers closed that game out and they almost had it and then sort of messed up at the end. But yeah, it was it was a little bit of a, a strange ending. Up next, we have the LA Chargers up against the Baltimore Ravens. And this game was, I think, unexpected. It's about the best way to put that because holy cow, we knew that Lamar Jackson had been playing great and was going to pull the Ravens out to do at least pretty decently in this game. But, whoa, 34-6, to six, your final score. The Chargers get their second loss of the season. The Ravens advanced to 5-1. and one. And Jackson wasn't very good, but it didn't matter. The defense of Baltimore stood up and stood strong. Lamar Jackson, 19 for 27, 167 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Lots of touchdowns from different backs in this game. Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman, all three running backs, get a touchdown. Which, mind you, this is the same Ravens team that's missing like three or four of all of their running backs because of all the crazy injuries they've had. And they're still scoring with all their running backs. So, I mean, talk about depth with the Ravens team that we don't, didn't have that after all the injuries. They found a way. And this Baltimore team is 5-1. and one. Yeah, it's certainly a good turnaround. I mean, losing J.K. Dommins and Gus Edwards in the span of two weeks, that's got to be harsh. But they went out, they went out and signed pretty... A lot, of, a lot of similar guys, kind of older guys who had their spot. And then Latavius Murray, who's been always second fiddle to Alvin Kamara on the Saints. But they've certainly been impressive. I wouldn't. I was very surprised at this outcome. The Chargers had 
a lot of offensive momentum going into this game. I thought they were going to continue it. They obviously didn't. Justin Herbert kind of showing, you know, those occasional like flashes, flashes of, but they're rushing. Like the Chargers rushing was terrible. Like Herbert was a lead rusher with 12 yards. That is unimpressive for a team that has Austin Eckler, who's one of Eckler was horrible. Yeah. He was terrible. Six carries for seven yards. Seven. <laughs> I had a friend of mine honestly argue with me the other day, like like last week earlier, um, but right after the game, and he was trying to argue with me. Um, this is after Monday Night Football, by the way, that Derrick Henry wasn't as good as Austin Eckler, and I was like, "That's kind of hard. That's kind of a difficult one." He's certainly a good close. <laughs> He's certainly a better receiving back, I would say, Eckler in a sense, but he just really just. Six carries for seven yards is stat line. Tyree. I mean, yeah, but I would I would say that Taysom Hill is a better scrambling quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. But would you who would you want in your team? I mean, that's kind of the I know the comparison's not that harsh. I know yeah. Austin Eckler is very talented running back, but it, it's not really a contest. We've already talked about Henry anyway, but it's it's yes. just sort of like seriously. But um, and then two teams that also we thought had looked pretty good uh, this season: Arizona Cardinals. And the Cleveland Browns, two teams we had really liked a lot of this season, but a lot of missing pieces for Cleveland in this game. Both starting tackles were out. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield was out. It was, uh, it was a lot of things were starting to go not quite right with this, and or at least Baker Murray. Uh, sorry, uh, Baker Mayfield was injured in this game, and it was they're just it. You sort of have to sit there and say, is this sort of the best that you got? Because we knew that Cliff Kingsbury wasn't going to be at this game because he had COVID, had to stay away, which that was a big reason to be a little bit fady of the Cardinals. But I said, at the end of the day, who's going to stop Kyler Murray? No one. And the answer is nobody. No one can stop. At least with this Browns team, they can't stop him. And with how good that the Cardinals' defense have been, I was like, I think they can probably stop them. And I had my pick changed. I changed it. Um, I was sort of going back and forth, and I finally changed it on it. And I, I stuck with the Cardinals here. But I was like... It, it really, they were that good. Now, I do have to shout out for the Browns, at least. Donovan Peoples-Jones had probably one of the best days of his entire career. Four catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Great, great day for Donovan Peoples-Jones. So, do need to shout him out. But, man, who would have thought that the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs combined for 6-6 six and six this year? Unbelievable. It's certainly unfortunate, especially with the Browns sort of being the feel-good story in the past few years of the NFL. But I think this is just prove, continuing to prove that Arizona is for real, is a Super Bowl contender. Is Kyler Murray currently probably currently is my MVP my MVP favorite. He has been incredibly impressive. Obviously, got a bit of help with his wide receiver core being consistently making better. He has Rondell Moore, who's really impressed in his season. But I think that they're going to continue on with this momentum, and I could see them going all the way. Uh, after that, we have uh, up next is the Las Vegas Raiders up against the Denver Broncos. And now this one was a big time bounce back for Vegas. I actually ended up calling this game incorrectly. I did not get this game right. And and the biggest reason why is because I always think that Denver's got a big edge at home, which they typically do. Um, and this one was – it's we, we knew who, who the better team was in this game. And now, at least by the end of it – and 
Yeah, Derek Carr did basically whatever he wanted. Bridgewater uh, finished with only barely fewer yards. He had threw the ball way more times. I mean, 35 completions to Carr's 18 and ended up getting three picks along with his three touchdowns. But you take away those picks. I mean, Noah Fant looked very good. Javonta Williams looked really good. This was a week where, yeah, if, if you're Denver, you got to be kicking yourself a little bit because you, you had some really solid offensive performers. But, God, you can't throw three picks. Very, very often, if the turnover ratio is 4-0, to zero, you're not winning a lot of games. And a lot of this game, Denver looked really competitive. In fact, uh, Denver had pretty good odds to win, even all the way down near halftime. In just the second half, it just wasn't their half. So, frustrating loss for Denver. It's certainly harsh, but I think it was honestly nice to see the Raiders get one back after not looking good. They start out pretty strong, but they just kind of – hit a wall a bit, kind of showed off. They were certainly one of the nicer stories to hear, but you obviously had that controversy with Gruden. I thought coming into this that they were going to look weak with that, especially, I mean, interim head coach, a lot of controversy. And they just really, they worked through it. And I think that's impressive. And this, (laughs) this AFC West is probably one of the most insane uh, divisions in the NFL. It is not what anyone expected. I thought that it was going to be an easy handle for the Chiefs again, but they're not. They are currently in last place. <laughs> so I'll claim this take. I actually did think that it was going to be pretty chaotic this season. I did predict ahead of time, and I said, and you can, it's back through on the NFL preview, but I said preseason, I said, I still think the Chiefs are going to find a way to win it. But the Chargers are going to be legit. The Raiders are going to be a lot more improved, and the Broncos are not going to be a bad team either. Like, there's going to be some really good teams this division, and it's going to be really difficult for anyone to win. So I, I was actually fairly confident in this being a pretty difficult division. It looks like that's uh, being the case so far. Um, and chaotic, I think, is definitely the right word of choice for it. But next up, we have. Uh, what were you saying? Sorry. Just small correction. Broncos did fall to last, and that with their. Uh, Thursday night. Okay. Okay. Uh, Next up is Dallas versus New England. And this game uh, uh, was a little bit almost concerning, maybe the right word for it, uh, at least for Dallas, because I still, like most people, are not convinced the Patriots are really that good at all. There's really not that many pieces on that team that seem extremely helpful. But Prescott, again, 445 yards. His yardage numbers this year have been off the charts. And again, this is with Ezekiel Elliott still getting a good amount of yards, too. It's not like they have no run game. And three touchdowns, he did get one pick. But Dallas sort of had this game together, but they just couldn't get in the end zone a lot. A lot of field goals in this game. And then they finally were able to get a huge touchdown with a Trayvon Diggs 42-yard pick six. And at that point, they then took the lead back by five after a um, Ramondre Stevenson one-yard touchdown run for the Patriots. And that was a two and a half to go. And what happened? 75-yard touchdown pass, Kendrick Bourne, all the way to the end zone from Mac Jones, and the two-point conversion is good. And all of a sudden, Pats are up by three. I mean, this crazy game. And then Cowboys then respond, and it's Dak Prescott with two minutes to go. You know what he can do with that. Drives all the way down the field, 49-yard field goal is good. We go to overtime, 35-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott, and it's over for once again a reason why I really, really hate the NFL overtime rules and think they're ridiculous because why in the world 
do we have an overtime where a coin toss determines the winner? I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. But still was a fun game. Still great to see the Cowboys um, pull out a game against the Patriots. I know this game was kind of the evil empire game. Uh, two teams that nobody really neutrally roots for. But um, I at least was a little bit happy seeing it because I'm always for the Patriots and a Boston team to lose. But um, And I like Brett, Mac Prescott personally a lot, so I, I like to see him happy. But um, And I also picked the Cowboys, so I wanted my pick to hit. But um, CeeDee Lamb was also absolutely insane in this game. Two touchdowns, 150 yards. But what's your what's your number one takeaway from this game? I think, honestly, that Dak Prescott is should be considered in the top flight of QBs in the NFL. I would put him on my list. I'd put him top five. Uh, still working out the specific where everybody is but he really after his injury you didn't know what we were going to expect from him this year he was still coming into it coming into the season he was still having some of those injury problems but he's really been consistently good ever since he stepped back onto the field and that's nice to see from a point of his i remember watching his injury live it was pretty harsh and he is not a player he is a nicely player you know you hate the cowboys but you look at each player individually and Dak Prescott's a pretty good person, so it's hard to see him go down like that. But it's not—it's nice to see a return as well. Prescott's actually fifth uh, right now on total passing yards uh, with 1,813. His yards per attempt is 8.4, which is fairly uh, high. It's actually tied with Derek Carr. Um, but I'm trying to look at who is the highest in terms of like a normal quarterback. So obviously these guys are I'm sure Derek Carr. Derek Carr's not um, a name you'd expect to see in that category. That's true, but number one in yards per attempt is actually Russell Wilson with 9.6. Number two is Matthew Stafford at 9.2. And then after him is Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield. All of those guys are above uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, and then he's, again, tied with Derek Wilson. So uh, fairly impressive uh, from getting 8.4, getting these yards in, especially, again, after a really bad injury last year, coming out and doing that. Obviously, it's very difficult to do, and Dak's making it look uh, not as difficult as it probably should. Our final game we'll look at today was our Sunday night football game. Or actually, sorry, second to last. We'll go over Thursday night football this week. But this last game is Seattle versus Pittsburgh. Two teams that we thought would be pretty decent. I've been in the playoffs a lot of these last few years. Uh, I wasn't super high on Pittsburgh preseason. Um, and then Seattle, not insanely high, but I still was – it was sort of – I didn't think they'd win the division or anything. But – yeah, they're kind of falling apart. A 23 to 20, uh, Watt forces a fumble in overtime and ends up sealing the win for the Steelers in Hines. And the Seahawks actually able to come back in this game. It was 14 nothing. The game was looking pretty uh, cleanly in control, at least at the end of the first quarter, uh, or sorry, end of the second quarter, because halftime was 14 nothing. First quarter was very uneventful. And then third quarter, Seattle sort of came right back out, down by three to end the third. And ended up tying it. A field goal, a 43-yarder uh, by Jason Myers ended up sealing up the tie to go to OT. And then a Chris Boswell field goal ended up getting it done after the fumble. So with this kind of game, do we think that Seattle season is looking like it's on life support or about over? Or do you think that Wilson's injury comeback may help? Or where do we have Seattle here? Because it's been pretty tough, even with him playing. It's it's cl- getting closer. I don't think it's at that point where it's close to dead yet, but it's certainly getting there, especially in prob- in what is shown up to what people predicted to be the best di- uh, division in the NFL. You have a lot of teams that are 
over 500 possible teams, and you really can't have ex- uh, stretches of this where Russell Wilson's unfortunately out. You really, surprisingly, you haven't, like, he's been one of the most consistent and shown, like, hardly been injured, and that certainly hurts them. Geno Smith is, he performed well today, but I think it's going to definitely hurt them, and they could fall out. They could definitely fall out of wild card contention with this injury. Well, the big question is, is will Russell Wilson be healthy and ready to go by week 10? Now, week 10 is going to be November 14th, that Sunday. And Seattle goes to Lambeau, a late afternoon game in Lambeau. So that's the big question. Will Russell Wilson be able to return for that game? Because, yeah, I'm sorry, but if he's not back for that game, I think you can pretty safely write that game off. So that's going to be pretty tough for him to do as much with that if he – isn't able to get back for it, which is very possible. Very, very possible. Could make it back for that game. They don't know yet. Finger surgery was a few weeks ago. So uh, Pete Carroll said he's is not quite sure. So uh, yeah, I'm a little bit iffy on um, if that's going to end up happening. But now we actually, because we're just doing this uh, with this week, so we can actually just go ahead our players' teams of the week. By week, by the way, the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, the New York Jets, and the San Francisco 49ers are all on bye this week, so we'll just skip over talking about them. Um, not really too much to say in the bye week form. And now looking at our NFC and AFC teams and players of the week, a section that I always love going through and checking out. And for me, because I'll go ahead with my NFC, is I had CeeDee Lamb as mine. Cowboys got a big crucial win, and it was mostly due to CeeDee Lamb's performance, of course, his touchdown to seal up the game was fantastic. So very, very excited about what his performance has been for this Cowboys team. And my team of the week is going to be the Arizona Cardinals because they showed up and showed out against the Browns team on the road. That's a very difficult place to win and play well with. And I was very proud of them for that win. So Gabe, what about you? I'm going to go with, well, with your team, of the, well, if you're similar to your team of the week. It's my, one of my favorite players other than on my favorite team, but Kyler Murray, he's just been amazing to watch in the end uh, this year. Consistently shown up, consistently. He, very good chance to win the MVP. MVP. We haven't seen him kind of perform in those crunch scenarios as much, uh, except for, well, one of my favorite games last year, Buffalo, with that Hail Mary. But I'm excited to see him in the postseason for my team i'm gonna go it was a it was a harsh one to watch but i'm gonna go with the la rams they are shown a little bit of weakness in their only one loss but they came back in this game really impressive on every side you had henderson in the rush game you had cooper cup who is you know with mccaffrey out i think he's starting to be the best white guy in the nfl and it's (laughs) quite impressive (laughs) Uh, it, he has been incredibly impressive. They are on every front. They And one of the big storylines as well of this game is how well they showed up defensively. He kind of came into the season. They were supposed to be this defensive uh, juggernaut, but they just hadn't showed up as much as they should. And they were absolutely all over Jones today, that, that game. All right, and then we now can move on to our AFC options. And for me, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm aware that they played up against the Houston Texans, which is, I mean, not exactly the biggest difficulty level, but 
it was still a fantastic performance. Taylor did go off of this game. And the reason why I have him over Henry, which Henry, you can have equally as big of a player team of the week. In fact, probably more likely for it. But I only picked Taylor because he really hadn't shown up really a lot of, of this year. He really hasn't been a huge force. And I wanted to give him a lot of credit for finally sort of being big in a big game that he really needed to perform well in. And he was able to get the job done. And my team of the week here is going to be the Tennessee Titans, which I think is a pretty clean pick. Um, there are a few other teams I think you could have for this, but the Titans getting a win like that against Buffalo is just so big. Getting that at home basically was a big savior their season, and I think that needs to get um, get complimented there. So shout out to Tennessee for winning that. Yeah, I'm um, I'm gonna for my team. I think that. It's important for you to get wins that you should get. And with the Bengals in the, against Jacksonville, they almost gave that game away, which is surprising. But I think it was important for them to be able to handle this definitely weak Lions team. Just look very solid on both fronts. And for my player, I introduced the team first. My player's going to be a little surprised, but I'm going to go with Jaguars kicker Matthew Wright, the king. <laughs> the, no, no, that's it. That's not a bad they, pick. I mean, he got a contract after this too. I mean, he's their kicker now. An impressive performance. Three for three, yeah. four, 54 yard field goal, won the game, got drug tested after that. They <laughs> they knew, they knew, but it was it was just a fun game to watch, honestly. One of my most fun games. It was and it's probably extremely needed win. Had not lost the game. What was the streak for them at the Jaguars at that point? 20, 20 which is shocking. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> never good. but And it was just nice to see. And he's a quite quite a character as well. Absolutely, you know. But I, I, it's very exciting to see where all of this has ended up. I do indeed love getting in some fun NFL action. We're excited to get our slates in for today. We'll be retweeting if you're on our Twitter page Blanket Coverage Podcast will be retweeting Gabe's picks. I know you always get some good picks on this year. We're not going to get all that now because that'd be too long. But um, but yeah, we have we have. I did want to ask one question though. One question at least on picks. If you have to have a lock of the week, who's your lock of the week? One uh, one game. This is there's surprisingly a lot of. This is an interesting week because you have a lot of games that are kind of equal between mid-tier teams but you sir but there's a couple and i think look they there's no way that this lions team is going to get a win this week like in the rams coming off dominating a almost a slightly better team in the giants so i would easily say that rams over lions is an absolute lock for this week would you say uh, the the Rams minus sixteen and a half is going to hold? Um, that's an interesting one. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> I think it will. No, I think it will too because you have because the Rams have a healthy team coming in. You have Henderson ready to go. You have Stafford ready to go. Cup ready to go. The defense looks good. I mean, that's the only thing is that they're not really missing anybody. Detroit's not got much going on. It's in LA. I just yeah. <laughs> I'm just. That's my thing, though. Though I do think, again, the storyline of Goff and Stafford sort of flipping teams here, I think, is really pretty cool, and I'm, I'm excited to see that play out. So, uh, But that's all I got here today on the Blinken Coverage Podcast. We always love getting these things into ready to go. Once again, thank you to Gabe for lending us your time here today on the podcast. Great to get an NFL piece in. And we are under an hour away until kickoff. So get excited. Bust out your bets. 
get the food together, get with all the boys and listen to some fantastic NFL content. So very excited to see all that today. This is the Blank Coverage Podcast. I'm Jack Wallace. This is Gabe Julian. Peace out, y'all.